This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, February 5th, 2022. I have that year right, right? 22. It's it's 2020 part two. Okay. I'm just... But it's zero indexed, so it's the third part. A nerd joke. Yeah. Okay, I just I just wanted to check. I just wanted to check that it was still 2022, um, or that we'd reached 20. I I don't know how that works. I'm tired. I ran across the lamest thing yesterday. Speaking of living in the future, mm -hmm. and I just want to read to you the quote that was. This is an ad on Twitter that came across my feed because. Apparently, Twitter thinks I'm an idiot. Um, or maybe that I'm a lot younger than I am. Uh, I just, I, I don't want to discuss the issues behind this at length. But, uh, yeah, here it goes. The headline on this ad. This non Fungible token collection just raised one million dollars to launch the first concert in the metaverse. That leaves me with so many questions, but mostly a headache. We we live this this timeline we live in is the lamest cyberpunk dystopia ever conceived of. <laughs> like, True facts. Like, you look at the things that are happening, we live in a cyberpunk dystopia. I'm sorry, folks. You read Shadowrun, and there was something uh, called... Uh, acquired uh, toxic, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, crap, I can't even remember. That's how bad this morning has been. But it was uh, an allergic reaction, right? It was a disease that caused you to acquire an allergic reaction that killed you. It was a global pandemic that killed people, right? And if you look at any other cyberpunk, dystopia then there was this worldwide pandemic somewhere in the backstory of a cyberpunk dystopia whether it's a book whether it's a tabletop game whether it's a video game i, I just started playing dying light 2 last night and they had a zombie plague break out in the city in the first game that they discovered a cure for. They cured it. And then some crazy lab experimented on it and made it better for military purposes. And then it broke out and destroyed the world. Well, our lame cyberpunk dystopia had 
a global pandemic for two years now, or three, and it came about because it escaped from a Chinese biowarfare lab that was doing quote-unquote gain-of-function research, which meant they deliberately took a virus and inserted gene sequences for genes long at the behest not of the military but of a government bureaucracy who paid them to do it, an American government bureaucracy that paid them to do it, and it escaped, okay? So we've already had global pandemics. And because of that global pandemic, and this has come up in cyberpunk dystopias, where, you know, People crack down on society and all of that. That literally is the background to games and stuff I read before 2019. And, and, and now it's happening for real. And you're like, yes, we are living through the events that we've been fictionally writing about for decades. And it's lame. It's not even a cool disease. It's the flu that kills fat people and old people. And I'm not insulting old people because we all become old. John De La Rose was just lamenting before the show how he doesn't want to. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw that secret from the green room out there to the audience. I'm not old. I'm totally pog, yo. <laughs> Poggers. And I don't want to insult fat people because, you know, they're an easy target. Being yeah, so you can't big, miss them. You can't miss them, right? <laughs> so, but, but, you know, we've had it happen. Lamest cyberpunk dystopia ever. We got the NSA, and this was a real story. I posted a comment on this on Twitter, and then two minutes later, I just uh, Twitter and Facebook and Minds and MeWe, and then two minutes later, two actual real life minutes, right? 120 seconds later, I deleted it because I thought I got took, but I've been told that this really happened. So I'm going to trust the person who told me it. This NSA, National Security Agency employee, this lady, was arrested. Her last name was Wang. Wang. And that's going to become really pertinent in about two seconds. She got arrested because she used the NSA's surveillance technology to take home to her home computer, the number you're going to want to remember here is 16 million dick pics. Wait, what? <laughs> 16 
fifteen digital million. representations of male genitalia that she that the NSA had intercepted and stuck on their computers because they intercept everything, everything. Five eyes. This is not a. This is not a conspiracy theory. We know this happens as they intercept every form of electronic communication and keep it on their computers, supposedly under lock and key until like they get a warrant and they never look at it. It's completely private. Your privacy is assured because the federal government is that concerned with your rights. They are so concerned with your rights that the U.S. federal government doesn't even intercept the messages of U.S. citizens. Instead, they have the other four member countries, and that's what Five Eyes means. There's five countries who joined in a pact to do this, Great Britain and, and so on and so forth. They have the other four member countries intercept it for them and then give them the information. <laughs> Because why break the law when you can have other people do it and then give you the information so technically you're obeying the law? And they just wait for a, you know, wait for a warrant. And then, and only then, do they look at your information. Only if you're a lawbreaker. Or if Wang, Mrs. Wang, decides she wants to look at the peni of 16 million people and take him home to her home computer. That's the mother of all spank banks, I tell you what. So when I tell you we live in the lamest cyberpunk dystopia ever, and when you see this, if you follow me on Twitter, I will post that every so often. Whenever I run across a story, I will post all of them I see. Lamest cyberpunk dystopia ever because of things like that. We live in a cyberpunk dystopia. An NSA employee stealing the private pictures of 16 million people to make her own private pornography collection. Cyberpunk dystopia. I'm sorry. That's what it is. It's a Neil Stevenson novel that could have come right out of Snow Crash. Uh, this is the world we live in, and it's lame. It's really bad. This is what we get for having the people in charge of the technology, people like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg, Metaverse concert do regular concerts at a venue cost a million dollars maybe they do uh i got a lot of people who are kind of upset about it because like the first the first actual concert in a in one of those situations was in 1992 it was uh <sighs> World.com, someone just sent me uh, on Twitter that it was um, 
walked this way and uh, my brain is shot today. Which is amazing when you consider that rant, folks. That's what I'm like on no sleep and a monstrous headache and a massive cold and sick. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what I'm like on one-tenth my brain power. So I just want you to imagine how awesome and impressive I am on full speed and, and grand and glorious health. Uh, Aerosmith, Aerosmith, 1992. First concert in a virtual world. This is, oh yes, we're doing the first concert in the metaverse. Oh, for the love of crying out loud, it's almost 30 years old. Just all oh, you people need to crawl up and die. Die, <laughs> die, die. So, uh, so you've had a pretty rough week then, DW. Couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've gotten angry. I get angry at everything right now because my head hurts so much. I'm angry at everything. 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 Well, I, and, I'm going to uh, suggest it, some. I'm going to suggest some relaxation for you. It's lapped over into Twitter. I've stopped being like chill and laid back. Like the last three or four days, if you follow my Twitter feed, I've just kind of pulled out all the niceness and politeness and ignoring the idiots. And uh, I just started like, it's like 2015 and 2014 all over again. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. We had that discussion, but oh, yeah. So how was your week, man? Hey, it's pretty good. I've been catching up on, uh, forgive me for watching The Big N, but uh, Netflix is still carrying these new Korean shows. And uh, me and the girl have been sitting down watching all of us are dead uh eight episode zombie miniseries you you watched a zombie miniseries i am i am currently watching on like the seventh episode and uh yes i made it seven episodes so that should tell you everything you need to know which, which one is it all of us are dead is the name of the show just released on Netflix. I think you should watch it so that so that we could hear your thoughts on the show. All of us are dead. I haven't even heard of that. I was just about to let my Netflix subscription lapse. Well, you should because they're evil and you shouldn't <laughs> give them any money. They, they just sent me an email saying, hey, we couldn't charge your billing method. And so we're yanking your netflix subscription i was uh, just, literally netflix I just doesn't have that much anymore do they i mean there's i guess they have your korean shows I, I that's not really my jam but yeah they don't have they don't have much to yeah. offer except and all their original programming is uh pure uh garbage just spewing out of the television at you yeah and no, they have cobra kai yep that's it yeah uh netflix yeah. is definitely now the worst that was fast. Well, you shouldn't subscribe to any of them because it's a big waste of money. And it's all companies who hate you. Unless, you know, unless you're on one of those streaming services, John. Uh, not yet. I, I'd like, I, I will sell out my uh, my shit to all those streaming services. You can, you can have my Crusader Girl and suddenly she's a black lesbian. 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, as, lo as long as I get paid, I guess I'm okay with that. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. Famous, famous last words. Famous no. last words. <laughs> oh, no, man. I have to find this. You guys go on talking. I need to see if I can find this. Well, let me. Let I was me, talking uh, to somebody. He, he actually got his. He he. Uh, he's a comic creator in semi the mainstream. He did indie stuff, like, but mostly like for image and things like that. And I'm not going to name names, but he got his show optioned or his comic optioned, and they they started doing that exact same thing. And he and like uh, he had an he because it's image. He actually owned creator control over all the stuff. The publisher didn't just break him over the coals and own it, so he was lucky. But they started just like trying to change things like they were changing like the dude again do like a, do a black lesbian and all that. And he's just like, no, like, I mean, these characters were designed this way and they're my characters. Like, you can't just like make different characters out of them. And uh, it killed the deal. So he had, I, there's one person out there I, I know for a fact in the comic industry who actually has a backbone and has some morals and didn't sell out. And I, I don't want to name him because unfortunately he he shouldn't be talking to me, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, that's interesting because like you said, working for image comics, he actually got to retain the rights and, mm -hmm. and comic creators are, have notoriously in the past sold away all their rights at the beginning without really knowing what they were doing. Yes, that, that's a big thing that happens in the comic industry a lot. And I know other people who have had that uh, images, a, a lot of different companies, actually, they're, they're kind of just like image as the umbrella is just like a publishing house, like a printer and a distributor, basically. And all these other companies like actually are their own companies that have their own operating status. So Robert Kirkman, the guy who um, does Walking Dead, he started the Skybound and they call it an imprint, but it really is its own publishing company. And anything you see on Skybound, Robert Kirkman actually rakes everybody else over the coals. You know, as it's weird seeing an indie guy do it to other indie guys, but there's this the pyramid scheme. But he rakes everybody else over the coals. Anything that gets printed under Skybound, he takes the movie and TV rights too. And you're just left in the cold. You have no you have no choice. So there are different imprints that do different things with it. But if you just get if you just get your stuff published as image by itself without one of those imprints, uh, you you definitely have, you own everything yourself. It's very it's a very interesting situation. Wow, I I'm looking forward to learning a lot today. I'm really happy to have you back on. Welcome, by the way. Hey, no problem. I I know it's been a while, so I really want to know what what the comics industry is like these days and how have you been doing these days in and out of comics uh the, it, it's the it's a bigger cluster than it's ever been it's a complete train wreck uh on every level <laughs> but uh it's getting woker by the day which i didn't think is possible but i mean they they're everything now is like dc pride month you know i mean it, it's getting to that point where it's just like they're they're so unabashed about it it's it's just a, nobody wants to read it anymore. That's what it comes down to. And there's there's still indies out there that are pretty good, uh, and I'm reading a lot of European comics now because they, it's just artists who just really take their time on the craft and do good things, and I'm really loving those. But that's about it on my end. Uh, Dave's Volt was my second bestseller out of any comic 
uh, other than flying sparks. So that it, that was my last year and it was a wonderful thing. I was very happy that that took off the way it did. And of course we got our sort of, it's sort of a parody of it now. I, I, I don't know. I hate saying that because people don't want to like go in for a parody. It's, I mean, it is its own story, but uh, you know, it's, it's up, it's up right now and we're trucking along and we're almost closing out of this. I'm not going to do one of those extend and make this last forever on this one guys. So this is going to be, this is going to be it after, you know, there might be a few days of in demand, but this is pretty much going to be it. And I'm, then I'm going to move on to the next project. Okay. I have too many comics just in on the back burner. I got to get out, got to get out to readers. So well, more fun. It's the pulp mindset. Oh, I love all the, all the threads you, you left me here. First one, I'll, first things first, this uh, event that you're doing right now for the, you so-called parody comic of Deus Volt. Yes. Um, De Desu Volt. It's no longer called that. Desu Volt. Desu Volt. <laughs> I have I have to and I have to explain why it's not Desu Volt, which I, I had to explain why it was Desu Volt. And that's why I actually changed it. So I actually saved myself no explaining, which kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> I explain this everywhere I go. I changed it because I, I started promoting it about a couple weeks ahead of the campaign just to try to get hype built for it. And I, I just put out emails, Desu Volt. I'd get I'd get half a dozen emails back. Is this Deus Volt too? What what is this just a reprint? What's going on? And I'm not I'm like, did you read it says Desu, not Deus? And they're like, Oh, I thought it was a typo. And I'm like, You thought I typoed my own title? Really? <laughs> <laughs> but uh it confused people. Uh, and so I you know, I had to go with something else. And we wanted to go with something like, you know, uh, all all the manga these days gets titled like, you know, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. So I wanted to be like, I wanted to make an absurdly long title. Like, you know, I was a high school girl and I ended up in 1099 AD and have to save Jerusalem, like something <laughs> like that. Um, and then Indiegogo, th this, I, this is this right here, a high school girl in the Crusades graphic novel actually reaches their character limit for titles. So this is as long as I could have possibly made it for Indiegogo. <laughs> and that's why it's titled this. <laughs> Industry <laughs> secrets. <laughs> And then I, it also is a reference to uh, the the first isekai, as I like to call it, which is uh, Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Mm. So a high school girl in the Crusades is kind of a kind of a nod to that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. Your your main character, high school girl here, has reddish pinkish hair, so she would definitely yes. be replaced. She would definitely be replaced 100%. by black lesbian. Hundred percent. Redheads don't that make I'm, it. I'm intentionally making my my next character is like for the next one is very redhead i'm i'm just going full tilt because it's like you know what we're done with this we're done <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna turn mary mj into um what's her name uh anyway yeah, yeah we're gonna yeah, whatever we're her, whatever her name was Jeez. yeah I'm, I'm totally blanking on her name but it's like I, wait who's who's that I character it's, oh, it's, it's mary it's jane Mich wait, michelle no, J Jones or something, MJ. It was something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't remember. It's like, really? Um, and th that always bothers me because everybody was going off and, and applauding this last Spider-Man film and all that. And they're going, it's not woke. There's no woke in it whatsoever. And it's like, wait a minute. The, all, the whole basis is they changed Ned Leeds into a fat Asian kid. They changed Mary Jane into like, you know, whatever weird mixed race, like she uh, is. Zenyatta, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, she's cute. At least she's attractive. 
but uh but still they did they did do that and she always she has lines throughout all three of those movies which are just like you know i don't want to go to the washington monument because it was built by slaves you know she does she does that in all three of the movies and it's like what do you mean it's not woke like you just like you're so conditioned to the race replacement into the race baiting and uh it was a uh, electro in the movie i think even like had a comment which was like i hope one day there could be a black spider-man and it's like it's like why <laughs> how are you conditioned to saying like that like how does that not throw you out of a movie it's like it's so obnoxious it's so pervasive that even like obvious race baiting is considered not woke now. This is crazy. Yeah, I, and and breaking the fourth wall like that is, is, you have to do it right. And there's only one character in all comics that is allowed to do it, and that's Deadpool. She Hulk. She Hulk. Oh, no, no. Deadpool was a copy of She Hulk. Get your well, get your nerd history right. You fake geek girl. Hey, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to say that I flunked comic book history in college, but I don't know jack about comic book history that's why we bring you on we don't want me. now she hulk was the original fourth wall thing uh john Byrne wrote and drew it himself and uh he he would he had it from minute one deadpool came you know almost 10 years later uh and it kind of like she hulk they eventually you know john Byrne always had his problems with the, the corporate he just wanted to write what he wanted to write and so he, he always pieced out of books and as soon as he pieced out of books, of course, it gets canceled because it wasn't as good as, as when he did it. And uh, and then they just kind of copied that concept. That, that's what they did. Like Marvel, even in the beginning, like the Fantastic Four is all recycled concepts from the Golden Age. So it's like the superhero, everything is just recycling, 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 recycling. Um, and, you know, there's I you, you I'm, I'm sounding like I'm talking shit about it, but it's that's OK. Like that's kind of what pulps do and did. Um, you kind of recycle it. You put a little twist on it. Uh, you hope it works. You write the next one as fast as you possibly can. That was that was what Stanley did. That's his whole career. Uh, and for some reason, but I do take exception with the fact that they act like these are all original concepts when when they're really not. But yeah, the She-Hulk was, was great, and they did a they did a whole thing where like you know they they built it up for like a couple issues. Like if this happens. We're gonna we're gonna make She Hulk strip naked in the next issue, and they did a whole thing about that. <laughs> and then she and of course she's she's like, "Burn! Why are you doing this to me?" <laughs> like the character was doing that. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, it was fun. They don't make fun like that anymore. No, I guess not. Um. All right. So, well, well I I've got this. Indiegogo thing right here on the Patreon sure. watching watching live with the link. Um, I hope you guys check that out. But what what also intrigues me is that you've got a bunch of other books in the queue. And I remember yes. last time you were with us, you said that the biggest roadblock or the biggest uh, choke point was art. Yes, hundred percent. St it, it still like that? Yeah. I'm, Are you I'm still, still choked on it and I, it sucks. Cause I, I love, I, I try to get something. I try to get a new comic out every month to my Patreon subscribers. Like that's, that's kind of what I do. And I've written a comic to where it's like, I should have this next year covered uh, in terms of like, if, if you just look at my scripts, but the comic art is just so far behind. I mean, flying sparks issue 14, which is, you know, my flying sparks volumes have three issues 
per volume has been, gosh, I started up with the new artist summer last year and it's still not done with the one issue. Oh, and I, I still, I have a second issue to go before I can get that completely in the can and launch it. Cause I always launch when I'm finished. And sure. so, uh, that that's slow on that level, but that's just the line art. Like the coloring, uh, has been very similarly just behind. It's very difficult, uh, to keep it, to keep everything on track. Um, and so I try to wait till everything's done in order to launch anything. Um, and I try, like I said, I try to put out an issue every month, but it's just been, you know, the colors get delayed or the lines get delayed. Um, for, for my next project, I, I've been waiting. It's three, it's 66 pages of colors. Gosh. I mean, we finished the first line pages, maybe January last year, I think. So, I mean, the colors are still not done for 66 pages. I've got 44 of them done. And uh, we're over a year into it. So it's uh there's definitely a huge choke point for sure. Holy cow. I, I yeah. wish I understood. I, I wish I could understand why. I mean, obviously you've got artists that you like that, that you trust that you like the work that they do, but why, what, why does it take so long? And I've got, here's the thing is like, I've got three, four different colorists too. So it's like, one of them started taking too long. So I started giving them less work. And then the next guy just started taking too long. So it's, it's, it seems to be a, an across the industry thing. And no matter if I switch to somebody new or whatever, like I, I still have the same problems. It, I, wow. I don't know what it is. Something about artists, I guess. Artist, smartest. Yeah. Well, um, well, let's look at, let's talk about something positive. What books do you have sure. ready to go? Give us a sneak preview. What do I have of... ready to go? Well, well, or, or what's, <laughs> I, I mean, like ready to sell, like, what do you have in the can? What's upcoming in the future years of, of John Delarose publishing? Do you have your own publishing imprint yet? I think we need that. I mean, I call it Rislandia books, which is a, a reference to my steampunk novels. Hmm. Um, and so I've just kind of gone with that. And um, I mean, I've, I've got a lot in the pipeline. Obviously, we're trying to get this uh, as high as it can before it closes here. It's done a little, little less than I expected. I, I, I kind of thought just based on, I guess, like the, the talk around our circles, we, you always see these YouTube videos, manga is destroying Western comics. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll do something where I get a nice, uh, you know, this is, this looks like a lot of popular manga slash anime out there. It's, you know, it's got Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon has this sort of vibe, um, what what's a card capture sakura has this kind of vibe um you know everything down the line like looks exactly like this um and and it just didn't quite go to the audience because it's very interesting um i i thought okay so we'll we'll definitely homage that because almost every manga out there is like you know reiko fukuhara was an average high school girl at tokyo high and they all they all start like that right mm -hmm. um one day and one day x happened uh, and wh whether it goes into slice of life or isekai it all starts there every single one of them starts like that and i thought okay well that's a good nod and a good starting place uh to do our own uh, and of course we'll do the crusader theme because you know that kind of flips the script on dave's vault which was so popular and so that should make everybody happy um but what you know what i kind of realized with this is that the comics gate group and kind of our circles uh either wants a big muscle guy which is why like it wasn't the crusader theme i guess which is what that's my that's what i'm interested in i love the crusader theme right mm -hmm. uh but i think what most people are interested in is the big muscle guy 
who kicks the crap out of bad dudes, uh, which is great. Uh, but of course, like this is, you know, high school girl. Uh, and then if it's a female led thing, they want a big titty, uh, you know, red Sonia, whatever. She-Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, I wasn't going to do that with a high school girl concept because that's just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just going to make it an all ages thing. And that doesn't really appeal to our target group so much. So little error there, but I, you know, I wanted to stay with the genre, like, and what I see for the most part with the genre of what's popular. Cause I, I thought that was the artistic starting point where it made sense to do this concept. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, little sad about the, the audience, not just going like, yes, this, this hits these marks. He's hitting everything. We trust his writing because his writing's good. Uh, but people do have their, um, do have their likes. And this is, you know, this goes back to novels and all that. I always, I always heard authors like talk back in the day, like you got to stick in your subgenre. People who read spaceship, space marine books don't read high fantasy, epic fantasy, but even though they're both wars and they're both fantastic, like they don't cross over. Uh, people like, like are very much in their silos. Um, and, uh, I'm not a good silo person. I like to just like, kind of, I have this cool idea and I want to do something different now, but, um, you're always jumping uh, around. That's the deal. Yeah. That's why it's always but so fun to, to catch up with what I think you've been it's doing. Fine. I think, I think it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> so the next, <laughs> next one after this is going to be a European style comic, which is pure sci-fi. We have a, like a 1950s aesthetic on it because I loved all the sci-fi comics, like from EC comics and all that. They just have beautiful backgrounds and beautiful like rocket ships and things like that that you really don't get anymore. You're talking and about so the, we've got... the, the current day European comics? No, not no, more like 70s and 80s because everything's oh, okay. better back then. But uh, you know, like uh, Valerian and Loreline were, you know, the the uh, yeah. the ink all those those types of things. So we're we're actually trying to do that next because we did the we did the 60s, 70s fantasy with uh with you know the Conan vibe and the John Bushima drive with Dave's Volt. So I figured jumping over that Euro vibe with sci-fi uh, is a is really my logical next step creatively. Um, and I came up with a property that I want to, this, this is a property that I want to make comics of year after year, uh, just over and over. I, I really love this property. I, I did a whole, you know, world building deal of it before starting it with, there's this whole Terran empire uh, where, where we've all spread out. And of course, like the empire has been going so long, it's got a little bit of decay going on and, uh, they can't really control all the outside planets. So there's like, you know, rebellions and people trying to build their own fiefdoms that, uh, that are, we have a secret agent for that empire who has to then go out and, uh, and quell all that. Um, and so that's, uh, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a commentary of our American empire collapsing, but, uh, that that sort of vibe and that universe just feels good to me and it feels like something I, I i could stick in so i'm really looking forward to that and really hoping that uh takes off and it resonates with the audience like it's resonating at least with me story-wise that's i actually that sounds great i it, you don't you not only experiment with different type different types of stories you, you just change the whole art form and and everything at the same yes. time at the same time, I know it, it makes for wildly inconsistent looks to things. And um, I'm sorry, audience, that I do that. But at the same time, like it like it's cool. Uh, and I, I want to I want everything to look different and feel different. 
Um, and I, I don't much like repeating myself. I don't want to get bored uh, with what I'm doing. I've got Felsbug mm -hmm. in the chat here. Felsbug is doing a different science fiction. He does uh, the AI wars, which we have one issue out of now. But that's another science fiction epic, like with really cool background worlds. He draws beautiful backgrounds and does cool aliens and robots that look different than anything else I've ever seen. So it's going to be kind of a different vibe, but it'll kind of be in the vibe of this next one, too, um, once we get that full graphic novel done. But uh, I, I'm moving more into sci-fi and fantasy just because I feel like it's really hard to gain traction with superheroes with Marvel and DC printing 100 superhero books every month. Um, you know, even though even though we're doing it in the way that they used to in the 90s, like people are not really as interested in that on an indie level. And that's fine. Uh, I, I don't mind doing some off the wall sci-fi concepts too, but, uh, that's, that's kind of our, that's kind of where I'm looking for the future right now. And the cool thing I'm going to do with this next one too, I'm sorry, I'm Go ahead. filibustering too much is, uh, <laughs> I decided I'm going to write a novel of this main character for my next comic to go with the comic. It's, it's going to be two different stories. And I just want to see if the novel and comic audiences can cross over, it's like a big experiment again. <laughs> can they cross over? Will there be like something different like that works there? Will the novel sell on its own? Will the comic sell on its own? I, I've always wanted to do something like that, but I, I didn't really want to write a superhero novel with Flying Sparks. It's just like, I don't like just a modern day superhero thing as a novel. It doesn't, doesn't feel right. Um, but for sci-fi, I definitely could do that. And... So we'll, we'll see how uh, we'll see how that all goes. I haven't written the novel yet. That's going to be my next novel. I'm finishing up my next Von Monocle book right now on the novel side. But that's going to be oh, my you, next stop now. Oh, you're yeah. still writing the Von Monocle stuff. That's great. Oh, yeah. Those sell like crazy still. Yeah, people, I love it. People got to realize, though, when they're creating comic book characters, the fact is the vast majority of comic book characters fail and always mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go back to the so-called golden age after Superman um, debuted and created the genre and look at all the characters who were around back then, there are, you know, dozens, scores of comic book characters that just fell by the wayside because they were kind of lame. And it's not even, even, that the even for current stuff that's were. popular. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, they made a movie of Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was wildly popular. Suddenly, everybody loves Guardians of the Galaxy. That was a failed Marvel comic. Like nobody, nobody cared about Guardians of the Galaxy. They really didn't. Not until the movie. That's because so, uh, because drawn a lot of the characters had, school is animated ones. A lot of the characters had badly designed costumes. I mean, they're just painful to look at if you look at yeah. Uh, and I'm talking like pre 1950s characters. There's a whole raft of them that are uh, in the public domain now, and you can go look them up. I'm not suggesting you should use them. Um, I've done one of you're gonna them. Wanna pay, <laughs> you're going to want to pay lawyers to investigate to make sure they're in the public domain. And that may be more money than most of the audience listening can afford to use. But you know, they were just badly designed. Um, and so, you know, there's a Catwoman, uh, literally a, a character named Catwoman, um, who just had a, a, a bad looking costume. You have to get so much right with a comic book character 
in order for it to hit with an audience. And so the fact that as an indie artist, you pour your heart and soul into making one character and oh, then it fails, that I understand how that's frustrating. I understand it is. how it that's heartbreaking. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I do. But you have you just have to understand you're you're in a genre where people have always failed. And it's the rare, rare few characters who survive. And even among the characters who survive, new A-list characters, you know, superstars are really, really rare. Uh, you're going to get mostly B and C-list characters who survive or even recurring D-list characters who pop up. I mean, the original X-Men were rampant failures. We're talking... Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, Marvel Girl, uh, and Angel. They were a failure. In fact, for like, was it five years uh, of the X-Men comic? They were just reprints of the original 30, 40 issues uh, until they came up with the brand new X-Men and kicked all the old ones out. <laughs> um, so... It is difficult to create good comic book characters. Most comic book characters fail and fade and are never seen again. And uh, you just have to kind of accept that, that you're rolling the dice. And that's hard to do when you're an indie because you're putting all your money into paying an artist. You're putting all your money into funding the production of a physical project. And you're betting all your money on something that probably isn't going to work. That's why it's always been a game for publishing companies who were making their bank on something else already and started comics on the side and were financing all of their failures off of the uh, other business they already had, like war comics or romance comics or you know, publishing a magazine and then could continue publishing the comic book characters that became hits. Um, it is, at least in Marvel, Stanley, the reason why he's so awesomely remembered, the reason why he's so lauded, the reason why he's so honored is because along with collaborators, he didn't do it by himself, but along with his collaborators, uh, who did, you know, a lot of the work, maybe the lion's share of the work, they created a bunch of comic book characters, many of whom turned out to be great and enduring characters, great and enduring hits. Uh, but Stan Lee had a lot of clunkers too. A lot of characters who didn't turn out to be that good. But he created enough really great characters or revamped existing characters like Captain America from World War II who had dropped off the map. Um, they just stopped publishing him. That, uh, you know, a person with that great a, a, you know, batting percentage, that great a percentage at bat uh, is a legend because most people are lucky if they create one or two really good characters in comics. That's true. And there is something to be said, like, if you look at a lot of the way that these go, you know, uh, 
people don't often just like have one book and then that's a success and then they do the second a lot of these guys grind it out on these characters for years like you just get you know uh issue one and then issue two and then issue 10 and and you know maybe by my by the 20th one it becomes a success and the word gets out there that happens a lot too uh so that that, that is something it's it's weird because we're in a a time with the internet now that it's like we get these crowd funds up it's like okay well we've got these numbers we either hit the numbers or we don't um and there's really you know not a lot of incentive to like push on to a second one maybe because again that's the same risk in theory um but you know you do keep getting the same property out there over and over again uh that does that does a lot for people remembering the brand and then buying it on the next one too i see it on kickstarter all the time there's a guy um uh gosh what's his name i don't remember his name but i you know he i i watched him go from 100 backers on his first one to 150 on his second one to 250 on his third one to uh and now, now he's on his fifth or sixth of the same property and he's getting like six eight hundred backers of it um so that's definitely a thing too um i'm just uh I'm just too ADD. I've got too many ideas. And so I, I just want to get all of them out there. <laughs> uh, and the other thing, sometimes there's one artist. Um, and I wish I could remember his name, but he does. She and Lady Death and uh, several other characters. Those are two different just, guys. Are those? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So she is Billy Tucci. Um, and he's just oh, been grinding Billy away at Billy Tucci for uh for 30 years. But uh Lady Death is Brian Polito, but they came out about the same time. Okay, my apologies. Uh, go ahead, call me fake geek girl. Do it, do it, do it. Fake geek girl. Don't disappoint me. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I was gonna be disappointed in you if you didn't have the guts to call me out. Have the guts to call me out if I need it. Do it. Um, I can handle it. I'm a, I'm a fully grown man. I just <laughs> had a birthday. I'm fully grown a year. You don't okay. have uh, you don't have thin, you don't have thin skin on the internet and uh, and uh, throw a fit no. anytime uh, anybody throws mild criticism at you. No, I'll be honest. I have thin skin sometimes. But I work really hard not to, and if I get all thin-skinned about something, I try to walk away from it and do better next time. I don't let it lap over in public because yeah, you a, can. Some advice for Patrick Tomlinson quick. there. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want to pause real quick and give a little bit of Jordan Peterson time here. Not time to Jordan Peterson, but give you Daddy Warpig's Jordan Peterson-esque time. Give a life advice. They, you good. will be surprised, folks, that you can choose to become who you want to be primarily with God's help. If you allow me to get religious. If you have a problem with pride and you want to be humble, if you have a problem with being thin-skinned and you want to be uh, a little bit more resilient to insults if you have a problem with whatever else and you want to be a little bit better um it's not easy and it takes a long time but decide who you want to be start trying to act that way and pray for help and uh it's 
I mentioned both of those examples because those are both examples that I did. I looked at both those virtues and decided I need those. I need to, oh, patience. That was another one I picked. I decided I wanted to be those things and uh, prayed and then worked my butt off. And I have become those things or become better at those things than I was. So my advice to you in a strictly Jordan Peterson-esque sense, this is not his advice, this is my advice. Um, decide who you want to be, strive for it, pray for help, and you will be astonished over the years at how far along that track you can move without even realizing it. But um, it's great. also be aware that it's going to be painful because the way you grow is by bad things or at least painful things happening to you, just like exercise or whatever. Uh, you become painful by having bad things happen and enduring them. Or you become patient by bad things happening and enduring them. You become pain, uh, humble by uh, having things, by you experiencing your own flaws and learning about them. Uh, you become thin, you know, thicker skinned by having that tested. So be ready to learn the way God will teach you. It's not comfortable. Back to the discussion. Amen, Daddy Warpig. That's a good uh, good sermon Amen. there. I like it. But I love that you can choose who to become and work for. It. And and yeah, can sure. become that. It's been it's been a weird it's been a weird few months. Um and I was telling uh Doran all that I uh you know really transitioned from writing blog to going to YouTube. Uh, just because the audience reaches so much bigger at that point, everybody loves video. Nobody, nobody reads anymore. <laughs> and uh, and even though I'm writing books, I'm not going to stop writing books or comics. But um, that's that's really where the reach and and the only place where you can grow uh, organically at this point seems to be there. Like Twitter's really tough on that level at this juncture. They're now showing. Twitter's now started the here's tweets we think you'd like to see rather than actually showing the feeds you chose to see just like Facebook did. And uh, they're just becoming nightmarish because of that. And then the other platforms just don't have enough people who are engaged on a cultural level, like anything you like, I love Gab, I use Gab regularly. But like, there's not that many people who just want to talk books and comics. It's always, you know, let's go Brandon, uh, you know, on there. And it's like, you know, I, I I'm pretty checked out of politics at this juncture. <laughs> um, and so it's a weird environment at this point and I didn't really want to become a YouTuber. I was always, I always kind of was against that. And, uh, but you know, part of, part of trying to maintain success and make, making sure that the books keep selling and they are doing, like I said, the, the steampunk novels keep selling great. Love it. Um, there's, there's still moving units and, and everything's good there. So I'm, I'm just going to keep at it. Um, part of it is like, migrating and adapting towards these environments and adapting towards the change of things. Amazon's not what it used to be either. I mean, I remember uh, when I first started following you guys and you'd have Nick Cole on all the time and Nick Cole would talk about the Amazon algorithm and ways to kind of game that those days are over. 
Amazon is pay to play at this point. There's no, there's no magical algorithm stuff that like, uh, you can get seen. There's too many books on there. Uh, they highlight their own publishing imprints so much at this point. It's, it's not, not the wild west it used to be. So we have to adapt as authors, as creatives, uh, to use the platforms that are working and YouTube's been growing like crazy. I've, I've really gained like, you know, once I hit that thousand mark, which you guys just hit a thousand, everybody hit subscribe if you haven't. Thousand uh -huh. for the, you guys. This, this is amazing. You guys should have been there years ago and have no idea why you, it hasn't, you know, pisses me off in some degree. You guys deserve it. Thanks, man. But uh, I know what I, I noticed once you hit that thousand, it really was easy to get to that next thousand. And then that doubled. Like, it, I mean, it took me three years to get to a thousand. And then it took me like less than a year to get to 2000 and then it's taken me like three, four months to get to 4,000. It's very bizarre. Uh, how that exponentially grows like that. It's self-selecting like that. Once, once you you've hit a certain point, then it accelerates because then YouTube thinks that you're worth putting in front of more people's faces. Yeah. That's weird. It's, it's interesting. But if you do keep at it and keep grinding, it's always grinding. It is a weird, it's a, it's the, what is the, what did DW say? The lamest uh, cyberpunk dystopia ever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> grinding, everybody's grinding away in their, their cubicle, a little yes. home, home shop video and audio studios. Just. Yes. Weird. True. Uh, um, well, at least, at least I, I, I like doing this show and, and you're producing something of value, even if it's entertainment. Um, it's an, it's all entertainment at the end of the day. If, if people it want is all entertainment. more of one kind of entertainment, I'll give them more of that kind of entertainment. If if one of those if one of these books really takes off, we're going to do a lot more. I really hope it's the next one. Of course, like I, I really also hope the High School Girl in the Crusades continues. Uh, you know, we got six days left here, and I'd love to love to see this like escalate to 10k. It's really hard at this point, guys. So if you could share this uh, out there on social media over the last couple of days, like get it out there again. Like everybody always shares it like day one. You get tons of shares and it's harder to get people to share it with their friends afterwards because it's like, oh, I already shared that. But uh, this is the home stretch and uh, and we want to we want to push this. But uh, yeah, I mean, what 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 the people want at the end of the day, it's it's my job to kind of figure that out and then provide the entertainment that you guys want. I think that's, that's, awesome. that's what Marvel and DC don't do. Right. They, they say, screw you audience. We're going to make our gay Superman. You're going to eat it. <laughs> uh, it's, that's that's it, not what it's, I want to do. Oh, do which I want to punch people? Which is, which is <laughs> funny. Cause the, cause we know that, 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 uh, that phrase, get woke, go broke. Isn't true. No, nobody's actually going broke. They just keep getting more woke, but, but it is true to say that the more woke they get, the, the less they care about their primary purpose. Oh. Yes. It just it stops being about entertaining oh. the audience and, uh, and becomes about serving up this gruel. It's because they uh, hate their audience. They really do. That, that's that's the one truth. of the things I, I skipped over in my... It's one of the things I skipped over in my scream thing last week is that the villains, the mass murderers, uh, are actually internet critics. They're people who say, hey, maybe we can make better movies. 
maybe Hollywood isn't making good movies or having original ideas anymore. Literally, the things they say are people on the internet who say Hollywood needs to make better movies. And so they made them into the villains who chop all these other people up because woke writers hate their audience. Happened in season two of The Witcher, happened a lot in season one of The Witcher. It happens all the time with woke writers. I never saw The Witcher, so I don't even know what you're talking about. That's how based about I am. On the show. <laughs> That's how based I am. John based a rose. Let's go. <laughs> I haven't seen most of this stuff. Like that's that's they the that's the around. thing. Like if if I get the buzz that this is going on, the woke's going, I just like I don't watch it. Like I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a lot of time to watch TV as it is. I've got a 13 year old and an eight year old, so it's like, um, you know, I'm just not going to do it. You've it's, got a teenager. I know. Isn't it crazy? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> you are old. I mean, uh, that's great. <laughs> I'm just playing. I am playing more board games. Like, and I, I always tell everybody that that's a great thing. Um, I love board games. Board are games. So much what have you been playing? Do you what have my I been playing? Ah, oh, I thought I'd have your attention with that. Uh, but yeah, everybody, like, if you have families or even if you like, just like, it's way better to get off screens and just do something active where you're at a table with people. That's how you connect with human beings. It's way better. Uh, so do that. <laughs> even even the card um, games. What what do you think? What do you think? Pinochle and spades and hearts are for? Right. You know, it's just an excuse to sit around with friends and and drink and shoot the shit. That's it. Um, and so uh, we've been playing uh, Mice and Mystics with the kids. Um, have you heard of that? You've you probably never heard of that one. one. No. Oh, it was a little. It's like an intro RPG thing where like um, the kingdom is getting uh overrun by bad guys and so uh they're trying to flee the castle real quick but the wizard's like okay we're never going to make it out alive so what i'm going to do is i'm going to turn us all into mice so we can hide in the little crevices uh and then they do that and then they do a bunch of missions to try to just like stop the bad guys from doing their stuff in the castle and it's really cute so you're doing it as mice so you fight against like cockroaches and rats and uh spiders and things like that um and so oh, it's very like simple mechanics yeah. Yes, very much like that. Um, and it's a, it's it's a very like it's got a good story to it, and it's over, gosh, eleven sessions or something like that. And it's got a it's got a board, and you've got just combat dice, and like I think you have a one in two chance of hitting with combat, and then you've got you know that you you roll defense also, and I think you have a one in three shot of rolling a defense. So it's like. You know, it's just a little, it's very simple mechanics back and forth. So like even, even the eight-year-old can get it. Uh, and then you read them the story at the beginning of it and at the end of it and uh, at the end of each session. And so it's a lot of fun. It really intro to RPG kind of thing. So it's cute. Oh, I'm that's awesome. That. I love hearing about great family games like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun for adults too. I mean, the story's pretty good. And uh, I, ju I just say uh, it's very, the mechanics are very luck-based. There's not a ton of, I mean, there is strategy a little bit, but it's not like, it's, it's not that own. strategic. Yeah. It's it, the kids won't notice it as much as the, if you're, if you're doing it with adults only, you might be like, okay, the, these mechanics are not robust enough, but, mm -hmm. uh, but the game game and story and all that components are real nice. 
Uh, I know you play a uh, Gloomhaven, which which is like a much better mechanical uh, way of doing things like that. So it'd be a yeah. step down from Gloomhaven big time. But yeah, if you had if yeah. you had two 13 year olds, you you would want to play Gloomhaven. Yes. Um, the, the downside to that is that the writing is atrocious. Oh, is it? Uh, so, uh, that's too bad. Mice and Mystics writing is actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would not. That's a bummer. It, 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 it reads like, well, because the guy who, who made it, he spent years building the game. He also did most of the writing and the, like, oh. the quote unquote world building and the story and everything like that. He should, you know, he should stick to game design. He's, he's, he strikes me as one of those. Just hire a writer. I, it just I'm hire a writer. Exactly. Board games. I'm, uh, this is my first one. So I got hired. Mm -hmm two weeks ago, there's a board game being developed where it's like exploring like the Congo in Africa, like in the 1920s. It's very, very jungle gym, Tarzan pulp sort of stuff. And uh, he's got this whole like story mechanic that goes with it too. And so he's having me go through and like make it into a better real story. Uh, That's so, perfect. So I'm going to be doing that. Yeah. It's, it, so it's going to be, it's going to be tight. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. You got to hire, you got to hire a writer. Uh, if if story is a big component of your game, yes, oh, really cool. I hope that I hope that works out. You're going to need to send me information about that. I will I will check that out. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, honestly, the other thing I would recommend to indie comic artists who are making their own comics is if you don't have practice writing or plotting, hire a writer to do it for you. I comics know, need so a good writer. Better. So many bad comics because of that, guys. It bothers me so much. <laughs> um, who was it? Jay Lee. Um, who is a fabulous artist and has gotten better once he got over the, you know, spraying paint on his canvas thing. Uh, his work on the uh, Gunslinger comic series was just unbelievably fabulous. He came out with a comic called Hellshock in the 90s, 1996, 95, 94, somewhere around there. He's a fabulous artist, but he could not write a story at that point to save his life. And it made a really, really great concept into a really, really bad artist. So even if you have a great character, if they're in a bad story, people aren't going to keep buying your comic. Story really does matter. I know that's not what Hollywood thinks, but it really yeah, it's weird. Does. You get you get that you get that talk about you know the art, the art, the art, and the art sells it, uh, but the story is what people remember. So at the end of the day, if you if you look at it like the you know the Chris Claremont, Jim Lee. Like the art, like really popped on that when that X Men came out, uh, like the actual, you know, not Uncanny X Men, but when they launched X Men number one with that. I mean, that looked like a ton of fun just on the art level. But Chris Claremont's story is why people still remember it at the end of the day, and uh, I know it frustrates a lot of comic artists out there when you know because the writers get so much credit and they they do put a ton of hard work into it, um, but that it matters. It really, it really is what matters out of the comics. If you, if you want people to remember it, I don't well, know. I, I like to yeah. remind people of comic strips, right? They think, think about yeah. successful comic strips. Nobody's going overboard uh, over, you know, the the mind blowing art of 
Charlie Brown and Linus. They just remember the sweet kids and the characters and, right. and, and the jokes. Um, the the best comic, of course, has both. Calvin and Hobbes is famous for, um, you know, its art, uh, particularly the Sunday comics, but also most of the strips were really funny and or insightful. Um, and the other side of the spectrum is the far side. It's it's a terribly drawn comic, but every gag was so absurd. You can literally make a calendar for the whole year with a different gag every day. Man, writing matters. Yeah. Which, is, which I'm going to encourage your slowpoke artists to get on it because they need to. <laughs> yeah, they get need on to, it, people. They need chop, to bring your, your writing to life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun this year. It's gonna be good. Uh, I've got, like I said, I'll be releasing Von Monocle on the novel front. Like hopefully not too in the too distant future. I've got another novel that's done. It's just a fantasy. I actually wrote it uh, with the whole. I really took uh, Jeffro's appendix end in mind with it, and I wrote a novel that's really. 11 interconnected short stories of hmm. the same character as it kind of progresses through things. Um, and, and each, each chapter really has its own beginning, middle and end. That's its own story kind of, and then he kind oh. of moves on in the, in the quest. And I really did that. Um, my editor got really mad. My editor, um, actually I, I have to switch editors these days. Um, isn't so I'm switching now to, to Morgan Newquist, but my editor actually was like, you know, I, you know, I, I, didn't want to do it anymore and all that. And she got really mad at this book, which um, I actually liked. So she told me that the female character in it was cardboard. She's a damsel in distress only. Uh, she really just exists just to be pretty and just to be a love interest for the main character. And she really needs a lot more depth. And I said, yes, I nailed it. This is perfect. Funny, that's exactly what I set out to achieve. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, so it should be fun. We'll get that. We'll get that out later. I, I I've got a lot of editing to do, and I'm such a lazy editor. Like I will procrastinate that forever. But uh, but yeah, it'll that'll be fun. That'll be a, a just a, it's a one-off fantasy book. And I do not, again, for for writers out there, I do not advocate writing one-offs uh in today's market bad idea uh but i'm doing it anyway just because i wanted to have fun with the concept never change john never yeah. change <laughs> hey uh well i'm really excited to hear about that stuff i've been meaning to catch up on uh your islandia stuff how many books are you up to now uh this will be number six so um number, the number main... six in the main series does that count the I can't, I'm counting the night stuff because I, I re-released the night stuff in, in the novel form and just threw it into the main series because what happened was it being in its own series as short stuff was selling okay. But like, you know, I would have to sell them at like 99 cents or $1.99. You, you really wouldn't get much revenue off that. So when I packaged it, those three novellas into one book, uh, it actually made what was not really that profitable, even though they were selling pretty decently, into something profitable. Cool. So I kept that in there. I have four four full novels of like the story, and those are kind of side stories, right? Yeah. Um, and then this will be the fifth full novel, but the sixth book. 
I have one more book maybe after this for the main story. And then I, then I don't know what I'm going to do um, because that's going to wrap, that's going to wrap up a lot uh, after this one. But uh, yeah. Oh, sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. We should probably wrap up for today. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or plug or mention? Paladins of the West Kingdom is the other board game I'm playing a bunch. Yes. It's great. Paladins of the West Kingdom. That sounds awesome. Yes. Yeah. Oh, let me let me pull it up on my screen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. Um, it's a worker placement game. Do you like do you like worker placement stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm turning I, I live on, on right I now. I live on Agricola. I'm I'm okay. in. Oh good. Okay. Um, and so here it is. Uh, I have nothing to do with this other than I really enjoy this game. <laughs> you want to share my screen? There we go. Okay. So uh, it's it's a little on the complicated side. Uh, so you have like your middle here, and these are the king's orders, which help you score points and all that. You have villagers who you like get to send out on quests or join your village, basically uh, for people. And then you have foreigners, and you either kill them or convert them. Um, so if you kill them, you get one kind of bonus. If you convert them, you get a long-term bonus. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful theming. Wow. <laughs> and you have your paladin deck, and you have a new paladin each turn that gives you kind of special abilities, and you build your you build your settlement. Uh, you have your um, your sort of monastery group, and they, they like, give you uh, provisions. Uh, then you actually, like, buy your indulgences. Um, and so... Like, because you get you get corruption and all that, and so you, you have to pay off and buy your indulgences to get rid of your corruption. Um, oh no, I'm going to maximize yeah. my corruption. I love this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty amazing. And then uh, there's an Inquisition that happens every every so often. Also, it's great. <laughs> this is this then, is totally in your wheelhouse. <laughs> I know. I love it. <laughs> I'm just like this is the best theme ever. Now uh, it is. It's I, I call these point salad games. So there's yep. like, you know, you get you get X points for this, X, Y points for this, Z points for this, and whoever has the most points wins, right? Um, so this is definitely a point salad game. Uh, and then you just like, you barely or almost don't have enough workers to do everything that you want to do every turn. It just feels like, God, I wish I had those like three extra workers and I'd just be crushing it. It's one of those type of games, but this is a very fun game. Uh, cool. Very fun. That so, is that is going I, I on my list for Can sure. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. Can I make a suggestion, John? Yeah, sure. Don't ever play against Doranol because Doranol always has those three extra workers, and you never know why. <laughs> <laughs> He's an engineering type who can like do the quick math of like I, how everything works. Yeah. The overlap between uh, game I, I, rules and software design is staggering. I bet. I I. I I only know this because I I have played games against him for two decades now. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a solo variant of and it I've too. I've seen it so, happen uh, in everything. That's <laughs> Every literally everything. <laughs> literally oh, everything. Man. I well, since you brought it up, yeah, there's there's always that one guy in the group, <laughs> depending on what game you're playing, where they're like, "Yeah, let's gang up on this guy because he's he's probably going to win." That's for that's you for, for for yeah for seven eight out of ten games that's me <laughs> oh, you're the victim i did that once <laughs> he is. it happens i did oh. that once <laughs> guess Although, what 
The one game, one playing game, I actually did that. He still won. <laughs> well, I've, I've been losing a lot these days. Uh, I'm gonna, John. I'm gonna repeat my recommendation from last week. Um, I've been playing nonstop wingspan with uh, my brother and my girlfriend. Uh, I my play brother, a lot of wingspan too. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I was gonna recommend it. There's, there's no way the the wife and eight year old aren't gonna love it. Oh, my it. wife loves it. My wife absolutely loves it. I like, just it, like yeah. The the illustrations are so beautiful and it's beautiful. a fun game to play. Um but no I do not I do not win that one. That I lose that one almost every time. Really? Oh, I win that almost every time. It's this is like four X the amount of complication of wingspan. So Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if yeah, let's let's bring in chat. We haven't talked to chat much, Brad for Walker says Sorry, Chad. It looks looks like an RTS is a board game. <laughs> um yeah that's me uh john dacre i uh the cheating nice. phase as they say never <laughs> ends uh yeah i love it um that's my jam these days i'm definitely gonna check out this paladins game i love a good worker placement game uh the theme is cool yes the theme's I'll awesome it's true it's it's replaced uh you know a lot of my my other worker placement type stuff so yeah i used to i used to live on agricola and Kalis. um nice. those don't always, those don't hit the table much anymore but uh i'm, I'm always my other ones in, in my my favorite game and i don't know I've, i haven't played it since getting this a couple weeks ago so i'm gonna have to go back but my favorite game is imperial settlers which is like a worker placement slash card game um oh. And it, it's very similar to this mechanically, I guess, in ways. Um, it's a little less complicated, but uh, I, I'll have to see whether I still feel that way now that I've played. I, I might want to play this two or three more times and then go back to that and be like, hmm, has this usurped that? But <laughs> the only problem with this is, is there's so many different meeple types and all that. Like the setup and teardown is a little bit cumbersome. And mm -hmm. my Imperial Settlers card game is not that way. It's just, a, you know, there's a deck. So. Yeah. I it's it, set up and tear down is a non, uh, non it's not an insignificant factor yeah. in picking a game to play. Almost all games are like that for me. I I've looked at all these beautiful games. There's all these like there's like a Batman Kickstarter game that like has these beautiful miniatures of every Batman character you ever could have wanted, and I almost got it because I just like that's like that's so how you make cool money. That's how you make money. Uh, um, even yeah. even before Gloomhaven, but ever <laughs> since, like if you if you want to shoot the moon and go big on a board game and try to yeah. just get a big pile of cash it has to be minis gloomhaven yes. um kingdom death monster but just about everything coming out of cool mini or not but i looked at it it takes like half an hour to set up the game there's no i'm never gonna play it you know yep, yep. <laughs> yeah that's that's the type of game for people who either like to want the minis or have the box on their shelf or yeah the, t the type of people like when i got into board games uh, at college, the board game club there, there'd always be a group of people who were like, we'd start on Saturday morning, you know, at the at the student union, and they'd be like, oh yeah, we're gonna play Advanced Civ this weekend. <laughs> nice. What do you mean this weekend? We're like, well, this is probably we're probably oh. gonna be done Sunday afternoon. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So I'm I'm gonna go play this one two hour game over here then. <laughs> I love one hour games. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
Um, Have either of you ever played Diplomacy? Yes. I haven't. Diplomacy is, I mean, that's a really old game. It's been reprinted several times by different publishers. But uh, I don't like those type of games because it is too much of a, uh, a, um, you know, screw you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just, just wreck you now type of game. And, you know, and that's what you're doing is you, is you do try to get that because you, you don't play it with two or three people. You play it with like four at least. And it is the gang up type of game. And it's like, you know, that sort of thing where it's just like, you can really get railroaded so easily. I don't like it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Bradford Walker mentions descent dungeon crawling games. Uh, descent yes. is all descent is all right. Descent's all right. Mm -hmm. Gloomhaven scratched that itch for me. Um, you could play Gloomhaven. So Gloomhaven has better mechanics. Mm -hmm. uh, Descent's writing is terrible. Too. <laughs> yeah, the writing is terrible. Yeah. I like the art. It's yeah. it's definitely got a the D and D Saturday morning cartoon art vibe. Yes. Um, yeah. What is Dungeon that crawling? Classic talisman. Talisman. Mm. Cla classic dungeon talisman. Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend Gloomhaven over Descent if you wanted to give that a try. Um, I, I've never asked you what you thought of Talisman's mechanics. I don't remember them, frankly. I I remember playing it once, oh. and, and I, I wasn't sure. I don't think I remember it that. I must not have liked it. Well, we need to do... Uh... I, I'm talking I with somebody you the other day on Twitter, by the way. Who? Me? Dornall. Huh? I missed oh. that. I missed that for the crosstalk, would you say? I subtweeted you on Twitter the other day. How? I'm not even on Twitter. How do you subtweet I me? I insulted you. What? That's what a subtweet is. You don't, a, not a, not a quote tweet. A, a, a subtweet is when you a subtweet when you don't mention talk. the person directly, but you are talking about somebody. Like it's, oh. it's that. Yeah. Oh, I see. Like vague booking. Yes. Well, I'm not on Twitter. You have to subtweet yes. it. You don't have a choice. Hero Quest. They're coming out with the new Hero well, Quest. I, I just know. I just know that occasionally. I know occasionally you you trawl through the feed once in a while, so I just kind of left it there. <laughs> All right. I thought well, maybe you'll see it, maybe you won't. Maybe I will. If, maybe you'll if see you it. did see it, it would be there, and you'd know. You'd know who it was about if you saw it instantly. <laughs> We're done with the show. We're out of oh, time. Yeah. That's what that. That's what that comment was announcing. Oh, we are totally, we are totally I was done. shooting the conversation in the head. <laughs> it's very, very, very successful. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to learn more about board games. I'm going to look more. I actually know someone who, for whom the high school girl in the Crusades graphic novel would be perfect. So I'm going to look That's into that awesome. today. Um, so I uh, hope everybody checks it out and spreads the word. I got the link. The last thing people see. Board game thing. Yeah, put that there at the end. Uh, it's, Thanks. It's, do we know anybody? Do we know anybody who does board games? We can bring them on, like a designer of board games, or oh, I, I know, I know people I could 
board game away. champion or uh, not really. Yeah. I'll send people your way. Sure I'll, I'll talk afterwards. Because like we have the designer of Oni and something's beeping. Not me. Sorry, I had an emergency over here with the I think Daddy Warpig is expiring. Uh oh. <laughs> we gotta put a couple more quarters in the machine. <laughs> um yeah, no, we'll we'll have to we'll have to I'd love to hear from any working designers that you know. I almost got sure. into a almost got into a pissing match with the designer of Terraforming Mars online. Um, uh oh. I, I I typed up a response like you have no idea what you're talking about. And as I, I autocomplete the guy's name, I was like, uh, Jonathan Frixelius, co-designer of Terraforming Mars. You don't know anything. And I just, <laughs> just <clicked laughs> held the backspace button down, got up and left my desk. I was like, that's enough internet for today. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, John. Well, we got your Indiegogo up there. Links in the description. I hope everybody checks it out. Anything else that you want to say before we oh, go? No, that's it. I, I've covered my board game topics. So fantastic. I out. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna stop for today by saying thanks so much for coming back on. I love to see you uh, on the show. I'm happy to hang out with everybody in chat. Chat was lively today. Love you guys, and I hope everybody listening later uh, gets a copy of that graphic novel. Maybe try some new board games. Um, Daddy, we're cool. pig. I leave the floor to you. You know, when I was talking at the beginning of the show about smacking people down because I am in a bad moodish. Mm. Yeah, one of the people I smacked down yesterday was the uh, creator of Stack Overflow. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Your story just brought that back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I smacked him down. He was doing something stupid. I just had to point out he was doing something stupid. And I was right. Because it wasn't about programming. It wasn't about, you know, web design or networking or, you know, IPv6. It was it was about the First Amendment and the Supreme Court. And he quoted an XKCD comic as if it were a legal opinion. And Oh, that guy. Well, I just couldn't let that stand. <laughs> uh, people who quote XKCD Sorry. should be bullied mercilessly until they stop. <laughs> you just reminded me of that, and I was all like, oh, yeah. I had an encounter with a semi-sort of famous person. <laughs> <laughs> I did not backspace and walk away from my computer. I just said, oh, what the hell, and went right for it. Because <laughs> he was quoting XKCD. And yeah, I just couldn't let that stand. Okay. It's the end of the show, folks. And uh, at the end of the show, traditionally, we stop. Because, not right now, obviously, but uh, it's a little thing we like to do here. We start at the beginning, we stop at the ending, and in between, we do a lot of stuff. It seems to have worked out so far. And I anticipate continuing this general pattern in the future. So if you like podcasts that start at the beginning and end at the ending, and in between they do a lot of cool stuff, 
you are in point of fact in the correct place. We want to thank John uh, for coming on the show and wish him all the best with a high school girl in the Crusades graphic novel. And uh, we wish him best of luck with the next issue and that hopefully as he comes out with more issues, it will continue to grow as word of mouth spreads about the no doubt awesome and amazing world that he has created. We also wish him luck with the science fiction Bonday Destiny issue he has planned for the future and, of course, in all his other endeavors. Folks, we thank you for coming and listening live, participating in the chat. This has been Geek Gab. You can catch us just about every week, just about the same time. And uh, on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. That is YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Or you can catch us on SoundCloud.com, on the Google Play Store, on, on the Apple iTunes Store. So you can listen to us on the device of your choice or on the web. All of you who uh, listen live, participated in the chat, we have a jumping chat. Uh, jump, jive, and whale. If you want to come in and participate live, you can join in with all the other awesome, amazingly intelligent, and unusually attractive members of the Geek Gab audience. Or you can listen later. We have planned it out for you because that's the kind of awesome and amazing gentlemen we here on the Gab are. We are signing out for today. But don't you worry, don't you fret, we will be back.